Um, yeah, let's just open in a word of prayer this morning. Um, Father God, I just thank you for today, and I just thank you for bringing us here safely. And I just uh, ask for you to fall on us today, your Holy Spirit. God, just open the hearts and uh, of your people here today for them to hear what you want them to, to go home with. In your name, amen. Thank you. 
No matter what background we come from, whether we grew up in a Christian home or whether we have been through it, uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, um, we all have a testimony that comes out of that. Um, there is no testimony more powerful than another. Um, we all have our voice. Amen. I need to make one little adjustment here. Hold on.
victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Feel free to greet one another, and we'll be back.
I am so thankful he brought me out of where I came from. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and so I never really, I was a scaredy cat when it come to doing anything wrong, because <laughs> I had the fear of my dad over me more than anything. <clears throat> but it's funny how later in life you start, you can drift, you can be going to church and you can be, you can drift, like your heart's. I was involved in all the right things and still living in sin. There was a, you know, everybody sins. Everybody lives, you know, I don't know. Everybody just, everybody sins, but there are other times where you are defiantly living and planning out sin. Like, uh, that is the road that I went down. And it... There, there's such a burden that comes on your shoulders when you are living in sin, intentionally living in sin, that to be broken free of that today, I am so incredibly grateful to be out from under that because while you're in it, that's what you feel like you should be doing. That's what you feel like brings you happiness. Or, But yet there's this weight. When you give that up, you are not giving up anything that will not uh, totally be satisfied by God the Father. Come on. Yeah, come I've got no 
pray that you would just continue to be open with us and just uh, speak to us today, Father God. Bless the rest of this service in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. Welcome to Harvest. It is the week of September 24th. We're just so happy to see you here with us. Whether you're joining us online or in person, we're blessed by your presence and your engagement with us here today. If you are new to Harvest or have just not filled one of these Connect cards out, go ahead and reach and seat back in front of you and fill one out. Take it back to the welcome table and we have a sweet gift for you. If you're watching online, you can go to harvestfreezy.org forward slash connect. So fall is well into play and people are mainly back into their new routines. Along with that comes our first semester of life groups for 2023-24. Super excited that we're starting these off. Life groups are our main way to connect outside of the Sunday service as adults and really encourage each other and grow in our faith. It's, it really is a form of discipleship. So we want to encourage you. Join us for life groups this year. I want to share a few options with you. First off, after church, beginning October 1st, we're going to have a post-sermon life group. We meet together, we discuss, we go through questions that discuss the sermon, and just have opportunity to take that moment and go deeper together. Not only that, but it's just an absolute great time to get to know each other on a deeper level, pray for each other, and just develop those relationships that are ultimately going to point us closer to Jesus. On Monday nights, Denise Warwig is putting together a life group that is doing interpretive dance 
based on biblical music. I'm guessing it's not hip-hop, but you never know. No, uh, Denise has some fun ideas with that, and I want to encourage you to talk with Denise and sign up if you would like more information about that life group. Denise also leads a prayer group, and it has been on Thursdays. She's moving it to Wednesdays. That'll be Wednesdays, 10 o'clock in the morning, and they will pray for the community, individuals, our country, all that. Awesome. On Tuesdays, Bree Nundahl leads a group called Mommy and Me. It's an opportunity for mothers and their children to come together, have a time of fellowship, uh, sharing snacks, sharing playtime, and and just having that connection as moms to be able to encourage one another. That's Tuesdays at 10.30 here at the church. And Darren and Dan are continuing to lead our men's group, but they're upping the ante a little bit. They're also adding a mid-month meeting that'll be here at the church. And this meeting is more about diving deeper into the things of God, There will be more uh, prayer, more just intense spiritual time together, opening the Bible more deeply, those types of things. So if you're looking to grow into a deeper walk with the Lord as a man, join them mid-month and keep your eye on the bulletin to see when the exact day it is or talk to them in person. And they're also keeping the main meeting out at Dan's Man Cave. And that's a little more fun-focused fellowship. There's darts and pool and just a good time to get together and, and really have more of a fellowship focus. So I'm excited for the men's groups that are going on. Encourage you to check them out. Youth Sunday is October 8th. Encourage your kids to sign up if they have not signed up. We do have some on the Connect table that have signed the sheet. Um, If you have not, go ahead and sign up. Youth Sunday is going to be awesome. You know, it's a great time to see the youth come together and really uh, lead the entire service. So you're not going to want to miss Youth Sunday. It's a powerful time. And that leaves dismissing the kiddos. If you are 18 months to four years of age, head into the teller room. If you are kindergarten through fifth grade, head into Children's Church. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. It's great to see you here this morning. Good to be in God's presence, in God's church together. Uh, man, What a blessing, Nicole leading us in worship this morning. Can I hear an amen? When she shared her testimony this morning, I just felt like that's a holy moment right there. And uh, how many of us can't relate to at some point having strayed, whether it's in our heart or, or for real, just not even going around church for a while, but then coming back to the Lord and receiving that grace, mercy, and forgiveness. You know, isn't that what our God is all about? And we are his people gathered together. We are God's family on a mission to transform Frazee and its surrounding community with the love and hope of Jesus Christ. You know what? We are in that transformation process ourselves, aren't we? More and more and more like Jesus from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. So how many of you had a great time with Ben Goodman last week? I really enjoyed Ben's time, the the sermon last week, but even more so... The uh, prophetic meetings that we had uh, were Ben just was a vessel for the Lord to hear from God and to speak what God was speaking to him for individuals. I thought it was a huge blessing. One of the things that really registered with me is Ben said that as a church, we are in a level up moment. And I just believe that. I see that, that God is calling us to step up, to step forward, to step in in different ways. And another thing that he said is that um, the voice of the Father comes through in different ways. It's encouraging, it's edifying, 
But what he really brought um, and encouraged us in is that God's voice is also challenging, right? And, and sometimes we don't like being challenged, but being challenged is actually proof that we are legitimate children of God. In Hebrews, it talks about that. Who here enjoys going through discipline? Well, no one. But in Hebrews, it says, how many of you were disciplined by your own fathers for your own good? And so when God challenges us, I don't think in any way is he upset with us. I think he's saying, it's time for you to go to the next level. And so sometimes a word might have had some challenge with it. And uh, so I was super encouraged uh, that God is challenging us as a church. I think it's, it's a prophetic blessing, if you will. So I just wanted to share a little bit before we dive back into Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 3 today. Great chapter of the Bible. Um, we're also having the, the kids are going to be studying Philippians with us for the rest of Philippians. So uh, you can ask your kids after service what they learned about Philippians. See if there's anything in common. But before we get there, what do you do with a word when God speaks it through someone on your behalf? Let's say you're just hanging out and someone from church says, man, I've been praying for you and I feel like God has this for you. Well, what, what do you do with that? And I want to encourage us that about the worst thing we could do would be to take the word and proverbially sit on it. Like, oh, God gave me this message. I'm just going to sit on it, see if something happens. Well, in a way, we do want to test the word. And if there's truth in it, like part of it's going to come true eventually. But I want to encourage us that there is a fight that God has for us when we are given a word. And in Genesis 33, hopefully you see where I want to go with this. Uh, Jacob, he wrestles with God. And I just want to read it real quick. We have the, the verses on screen. It says, that night, Jacob got up. Now, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the third in line of the family of faith of the patriarchs of the Old Testament of the Bible. So that night, Jacob got up and took his, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford at the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. All right, this is super interesting, because this man was no ordinary man. It says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. All right, now you can imagine you just, this guy starts coming up to you, and he starts wrestling with you. You're like, what is going on? This is weird. I don't usually start wrestling matches in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, you realize there's something deeper going on here. Uh, this guy just touched the socket of my hip, and now my hip is out of, out of joint. Can you imagine, like, you're wrestling, and eventually you realize, I'm wrestling something supernatural? Like, that would be enough to freak me out. It says, then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go. Until you bless me. Now that, Jacob has, he's got some boldness. Either he's really full of faith or he's really dumb. 
I mean, he realized at that point he was wrestling someone supernatural. Uh, It's super interesting, you know, some theologians say that this was an angel. Some people say it was a Christophany, which is like the idea of a a pre-appearance of Jesus before Jesus came into the world, but he existed, you know, with the Father up till that point. Whatever it was, Jacob was wrestling with someone not only bigger and stronger, but, but it was God, supernatural in some way, God. So I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So this supernatural being now changes Jacob's name. And of course, Israel becomes the nation of God's chosen people. And, and so this was a prophetic moment where not only is there, is there this struggle and this battle, but there's a word spoken over Jacob. I'm, I'm completely changing who you are. Did you know that Jacob meant heel grabber or liar? Right? Because that's what happened when he was born. He was hanging on to his brother. And then he tricks his parents to receive the blessing. Like, not a very good, quote, Christian person <laughs> up to this point in his life. And so God changes his name and he calls him out. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And I've glanced over this so many times. But it says, then he blessed him there. I will not let you go until you bless me. Well, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to bless you. Interesting, it's not recorded what that blessing was. But I guarantee you it was amazing. So it says, Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites did not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. All right. Amazing moment in God's history. Obviously, we don't see the full picture You know, one of those days when you get to heaven, God, what exactly happened there when you were wrestling with Jacob? It'd be kind of fun to ask, Uh, (laughs) right? Sorry, my mind goes places, but. But the point I want to bring out in this little story and in conjunction with the prophetic words that Ben brought or that you would maybe have just receiving a word yourself in prayer or someone might give to you, are you really taking that word and wrestling it down until you receive the blessing of it. That is my challenge for you. And, and, and there's, a, there's a process. Like there should be um, a, a judging of the word. 1 Corinthians 14.29 says, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. All right, so we're going we're gonna to weigh it. Does it have an internal witness? Like uh, when, when the disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus after Jesus had been crucified, Jesus appeared to them and it said their hearts were burning within them. Like when you're in God's presence and you sense him doing something, it's kind of like that your spirit comes alive and you sense this within you, this passion within you. Like, does the word given bring any kind of enthusiasm spiritually to your life? So there's that subjective witness. But possibly, sometimes even more important, what is the witness that other people have of the word? 
And, and that's why it's so important when you receive a word that it's not done in just a solo realm, right? Like when Ben was here, he's prophesying, there's many people here. And so you can go to other people and you can, you can ask, what did you think of the word that was shared with me? I had the privilege of talking to someone this week about their word and, and Ben had said something and they took it one way and Ben, you know, kind of a negative way. And Ben actually meant it to be a very, very positive thing. And so, um, you know, if we don't allow other people in to help in the discernment process, sometimes we can miss the blessing right there. And so that is part of the wrestling. Uh, you can ask, does the word line up with other words you received? You know, it kind of becomes like sights on a gun. You know, if you received a word back one point, or you feel like God has been calling you to something, and someone shares a word with you, and you're like, wow, that, that really does register. I, I believe God's calling me to that. Um, the words that Ben spoke over me this past time he was here were almost identical to uh, last year, but with a little more clarity, which was a blessing. Um, so anyway, do, do they line up? So that's the first wrestling. It's the weighing of the message. All right? Uh, I, I can't forget this. Like, If you ever receive a word and it goes clearly against the principle of Scripture, you can just throw it out. The word isn't from God, right? But so many of the words that, uh, like Ben brought, for instance, like they were about people and where they're at in their walk with God. So th there was nothing that I saw that went against the word of God, the written word of God in any way. So we're going to pray. That's our first way to wrestle with the word. Pray into it. God, I believe you spoke this from Ben or from whoever, or I believe you're speaking to me. Continue to pray into it. Ask the Lord to reveal deeper, more. Lord, what did you mean by this? Don't just sit on it. God, what did you mean by this? Second, if you haven't, write it down. Uh, we try to record whenever um, uh, Ben or a prophetic minister is here so we can review that. Uh, we lost some of the footage this time, which was a bummer, but we did get some. But I want to encourage you personally, write down what God spoke to you. And if God's speaking to you personally, write it down. I already mentioned this, but get some counsel. Talk to other people. Uh, you can check for an immediate element. Is there something that you can put into practice right now? Say, you know, maybe the word is super clear. You need to quit your job and go find another job. Well, you can make that come true real quick. You can quit your job. You can be obedient. If it's a clear word to act in obedience. Sometimes if it's like a predictive word, like this is going to happen, the, the way to handle that is prepare. If you have a witness that it's true, prepare as if it is true. If God says, I'm going to send you to Mexico in a year and you don't know a lick of Spanish, it may be a good idea to get some Spanish lessons, Right? What kind of practical steps can we do to say, God, I'm presenting myself and my life to what you spoke to me? Don't self-fulfill your prophecy. Like, unless it's like a clear, direct thing, like, you know, if God says someday this is going to happen, sometimes we can get into the mode of just trying to make it happen, trying to force it to happen. It's better to just say, God, in your time and in your way, I'm not resigning from this, but I'm also not trying to assert my will into this. And so kind of remain in that tension. But 1 Timothy 4, 14 says, 
Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So that first word in verse 14, do not neglect your, your gift. Neglect is from the Greek word amaleo. I think I said that kind of right. Which means to be careless of or neglect. In other words, eh, that's a nice word. Eh, we'll see what happens. The, the reverse in 15, it says be diligent in these matters. Diligent is milet, mileteo, to care for. Attend to carefully practice or meditate. So we say, God, I'm not sure, but if this is you, Lord, I'm praying into this. I'm believing for it. Lord, I'm going to ask other people what they see in this message, and, and I'm going to fight the battle. First Timothy 1.18, Paul also says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Come on. We have a blessing that God has given us personally and as a church. Are we going to fight? I'm going to ask it again. Are we going to fight? Woo! Good. Me too. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. I promise I'll tone it down half a step. So Philippians chapter 3, it says, Further, my brothers and sisters... Rejoice in the Lord. Again, Philippians is called the book of joy. And so it's joyful because Paul has received this love offering from the Philippian church personally. Um, They wanted to see his ministry continue. Uh, He is in suffering. He's in trials right now. He's in house arrest. And yet he's still full of joy. He changes his perspective rather than saying, I'm stuck here in chains. He says, I have a captive audience. And he is literally speaking the word about Christ to the people he is chained to daily. And guess what? These guys were no slouches. They were like the elite guard. And guess what? That elite guard was then, I assume, I believe, not only coming to Christ, but sharing the truth of Jesus. Paul said, everyone knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So Paul continues, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. I would say again that a lot of things that Ben said last week, I've heard before in different ways, and yet a good father, the Lord is patient with us, he's merciful towards us. You know, sometimes we don't get it right away. Even when we're reading scripture and we're like, man, I need to apply this. Sometimes we need to be reminded, oh yeah, I was going to change. I was going to work on that. So God is gracious and Paul is saying, it's not a trouble for me to remind you of these things. It's to safeguard you. So in verse 2, it says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Yeesh, that's that's intense. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Okay, Paul is talking about a group of people. They they were known as the Judaizers. And they were a group of, uh, for lack of a better term, hyper-religious Jewish people 
that we're trying to get the new Christian converts to follow the Old Testament ways, to follow the Old Testament law. And so as Paul was going out and preaching the true gospel of Christ, these people were following behind and saying, oh yeah, you got Jesus, but now we need to practice some festivals. Oh yeah, you have Jesus, but don't forget the ceremonial law. Oh yeah, you have Jesus, but don't forget to be circumcised if you're a male because that shows you're a true believer. You know, sometimes we do the same thing as Christians. Oh, you have Jesus, but don't forget you better have this. A lot of us have come out of situations where there was a whole lot of law, but not much grace. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law within himself. So guess what? When we're in line with Jesus, we, we are fulfilling the law of God because Jesus fulfilled it in his flesh upon the cross. And Paul's saying, we're not going to put confidence in those old ways. And here he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul is saying, whatever you're doing, guess what? I did it better, and I consider it garbage in comparison to having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, walking in step with Jesus, it just humbles you. And the reason it humbles you is because you realize it's not all about me and what I bring to the table. It's all about what Jesus did and what he brings to the table. Both uh, in our lives as we walk with him and, and when we come to him. It's not about us. It's about him. And most of the religions of the world say, if I'm good enough, I'll earn my place. Christianity is the only religion that is the opposite. You actually, no matter how good you are, can't earn your place, but Jesus has done it for you. And so when we, when we come to Jesus, the, the act that God desires from us is to believe. Believe. Have faith. It is by faith that we are justified. Faith is what makes us acceptable to God. And then we receive all of the blessings that Jesus purchased us upon the cross. The theological term is that we have actually been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. That means that when we receive Jesus, it's like pretend you have a whole bunch of like negative signs across you, across your soul, whatever. And that represents your sin or your brokenness. When we come to Jesus, not only does he take away those negative signs, but he doesn't leave them as like a neutral sign. He actually gives us his righteousness, which means that we've got plus signs all over us in God's eyes because of what Christ has done for us. Come on. Come on. Paul's saying, all that stuff that I thought made me whole and holy, I now consider it trash. 
It says in verse 7, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So for Paul, he needed to shed his ideas of religion. He needed to let go of some things that he had before Jesus. You know, it's interesting that Paul really had no idea that Jesus even existed. He thought he was serving God by persecuting Christians because these Christians were telling a message outside of the Jewish tradition that he knew. And again, he was, according to the religious law, faultless. Going around from synagogue to or place to place, jailing Christians, bringing them to their death. We read about Stephen in Acts chapter 6, who was stoned to death. The first deacon of the church stoned to death. And it says that all of the cloaks were laid at the feet of a young man named Saul. Well, one day Saul was on the road to Damascus to go round up more Christians. And a bright light encapsulated his vision, caused him to go blind. And he sees a vision of Jesus. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And from that moment on, Saul is changed. His name becomes Paul. He says, I have seen the truth. I have seen the life. It's Jesus. The one I was persecuting is the one. And so he says, all that stuff, I'm letting go. I'm leaving it behind. It's worthless. And so you can imagine how upset Paul was that this group of people who are condoning all of the things that he used to be, are coming to the churches where he is planting the true gospel of Christ into these new believers. And this group is just following behind saying, oh yeah, but don't forget, you should really be like how Paul used to be. <laughs> and Paul's like, no. Don't be like them. Those mutilators of the flesh, he calls them. In verse 12, Paul talking about his participating in Christ. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It's powerful, isn't it? He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. You know, it's amazing. God has this intentional forgetfulness. And aren't you glad he does? Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what ahead. 
Sometimes there's old baggage that we've lived with in life. Guilt and shame and fear. And you know what? When we come to Jesus, God chooses to forget as far as the east is from the west, your sin. And so you know what? Shame, at that point of confessing, saying, Lord, forgive me. At that point, we can say, goodbye, shame. Goodbye, guilt. Goodbye, fear. I'm choosing to forget you. Because you know what? If we hold on to those things, it just kills us inwardly as followers of Jesus. I speak from experience. It's like I, I'd mess up and, and I'd just beat myself up and beat myself and beat And God's like, I forgot about that when you first asked for forgiveness a week ago. What are you doing? So to the definition of forget here there's three definitions. No, going back. There it is. To forget, neglecting, as in this is a good neglecting, no longer cared for. You know, sometimes we have a, a wound and we just massage it. We care for it. You know, we want to keep it fresh and painful in our lives. God's like, you need to let it go. I've taken care of it. I've forgotten it. I love this last definition. Given over to oblivion as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Family, there is, in Christ, there is no place for fear, guilt, and shame. Now, I'm not saying those emotions aren't, aren't um, right in the, in the proper moment. If you're actively committing sin, well, you should be feeling your conscience kicking in and possibly the Holy Spirit saying, hey, wait a sec, what are you doing? And you might have some shame if you commit sin, but the moment you bring that thing to Jesus and say, God, I confess, I repent, I'm turning. Jesus takes it, he forgets it, and there it chooses to forget it. On our behalf, he says, son, daughter, welcome home once again. I've been waiting. Haven't gone anywhere. And he accepts us as his beloved child. Family, if God can forget it, you can too. And you can live a victorious Christian life. Can I hear an amen? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Guys, there's a prize. You know, we don't, Paul says, I don't beat the air as if I'm not doing anything. He's like, I'm competing to win a prize. There's a family, there, there are people that have yet to come into relationship with Jesus Christ and you know what? We get to be part of that. We get to be part of reaching the lost and saying, there's a God who loves you and cares about you. 
There are things that have yet to be done, kingdom things within our community and the communities around us that God wants to use you for. Stay in the game. Don't remove yourself. Why do people remove themselves from fellowship? Well, usually it's because they know they've blown it and then they let fear, guilt, and shame keep them out of the game. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what ahead. We press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. So maturity is simply saying, No matter where I'm at today, I accept my past, but I'm not staying there. God has forgiven me. I choose to forgive myself. If I need to make things right with other people, I'll make those things right. It's not about shirking responsibility. We need to take responsibility. But we don't stay stuck. For in sin, we confess our sin. We repent. We do 180. And we allow God to do that maturing work within us. He says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I love that statement. God has brought you some places. You have attained some victory in your life. Don't go back. Don't take a step in the opposite direction. Continue to pursue Christ. Live up to what the work God has already done in you. In verse 17, he says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I often have told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I, before verse 18 and the last part of 17 there, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You know what? We got a whole group of people right here who love Jesus, who have some maturity in Jesus, who've been walking with Jesus. Continue to keep your eyes on each other. Right? Challenge each other. Move forward together as family. It's so important. The easiest way for the enemy to pick you off is to stop being together with other Christians. Like, it's it's the fastest way. The person in the military who sticks their head up alone is the one that gets the headshot, right? God wants us to stick together. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Made me think, why does Paul have those tears? Is it because he's just saddened by the amount of persecution? I think Paul has tears for the enemies of the cross because he was one. And he has compassion for the soul that does not yet know Jesus. Because there's a, an inner turmoil that happens when you're disconnected from the one who made you. <laughs> when you don't have that relationship with God. There, there is a striving and a over trying to make life good and better and right. And God has peace for us in forgiveness and that, that walk with Christ. 
I believe Paul's tears were for his enemy, for his enemies. It says their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Man, Philippians is, has just so much hope built into it. Our eternity is filled with hope, family. There are those around us whose eternity is, is the opposite. They are not filled with hope. They don't know why they're here. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. So the, the mantra is, get as much stuff as you can before you die. Right? It's kind of the American dream. But we can't take it with us, can we? No. If you figure out how you can, well, you won't because you just won't. But we can have Jesus and we can have a full and deep and God-honoring relationship that fills us with life each and every day. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, fills us, gives us peace and love and joy and all the fruit of the Spirit that we need for each and every day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your people. Jesus, I thank you that they are here because they too want to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. Father, I pray, God, that you would give us grace to be more purposefully forgetful, where our past would be thrown in our face, where our shame and regrets, we would just dig them up. Father God, I pray that we would say no longer. Lord, if we're, if we're living in sin purposefully, God, that we would say no longer. Jesus, what you offer is so much better. So Lord, help us to forget, Lord Jesus, those things and help us to strain towards what you have for us for the, for the future, Lord. Father, I thank you again for the words, Lord, that, that Ben brought last week. God, I pray that we would be willing to wrestle with what you have, Lord, that we wouldn't let it go until we've received the blessing from it. Father, I pray that you'd bless your people today. I thank you for them. Lord, you love them so much. I pray, God, that, that we would just honor, Lord, what you're doing here, the relationships that are here, God, that we would connect with each other. Even as life groups start up next week after church, Father, I pray, God, that, that there would just be a, a real deep connection with each other. We thank you, Lord. I pray that you bless each one now in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you feel like you would like further prayer this morning, the Johns are here, Virgil and Sharon, to pray with you. So please feel, forward to, please feel free to come forward and receive prayer. If not, God bless you. Look forward to uh, having a great week.